podcast number 271 for Wednesday, November 16th, 2011. Again, everyone, this is Philip Michaels hosting the Macro Podcast this week. And this week we are talking entirely about iTunes Match, which came out on Monday, Apple through the Switch. And now we can use this um, this cloud-based music offering. But what exactly is iTunes Match? Fortunately, I have three people here who can explain it to you. Let's start off with Senior Associate Editor Dan Morin, who wrote our iTunes Match um, uh, hands-on. Hi, Dan. Hi, Phil. How are you today? I'm doing very well, thank you. Very good. Um, also joining us from the from the mists of time and ether is senior editor Chris Breen. Hello, Phil. Hi. And joining me here in the podcast room, but uh, because of our strange setup, out of view. It's it's like she's not in the room. It's um it's a, a staff editor, Serenity Caldwell. Why, hello, Phil. Hi, I'm sure you're doing fine as well. If only I could see you. If only. So, um, I was actually out on uh, on a vacation day uh, when Apple threw the switch on iTunes Match. I don't have the first idea what it is. So please explain it to me, somebody. <laughs> Let's have Dan Morin take that since since he is Mister Hands On. Uh, iTunes Match. It's um. It's kind of a complicated idea, but what it really, really what it boils down to is uh, all your music available on all of your devices. That's kind of what Apple's big picture is here. No matter if you pick up your iPhone, your iPad, your, one of your Macs, a PC running iTunes, you'll have access to all of your music. Um, and it does this in kind of a, a nifty way. That's where the, the match uh, part of it comes from this idea that instead of uh, having to upload all your tracks – like Google Music and uh, Amazon's Cloud Player make you do. Instead, iTunes lets you just scan through uh, your iTunes library and matches those tracks to its iTunes Store catalog. Uh, And that way, it can reduce the amount of time and bandwidth that you have to spend getting all your tracks set up and hopefully instead just upload those tracks that it can't find in its own database. Now, is there are there any uh, storage limits as to as to what I can can put in the cloud? There are not any limits in terms of what you can store. However, there is a limit in terms of how big your library can be. Which is to say, if you have more than twenty five thousand tracks in your library, you won't be able to use iTunes Match. Oh, oh, but something tells me that there's a workaround. Well, there is, um, and also these are. Note that any tunes that you've purchased from the iTunes Store are not counted against that limit. So there are a couple of workarounds. One is that you can create a new library. So what happens is if you have more than 25,000 tracks that were not purchased from iTunes and you try to launch iTunes Match, you'll see a message that says, no, you can't. You just cannot belong to this. You can't upload a, a playlist. You can't upload a subset. You just are not qualified. So again, you can hold down the option key when launching iTunes. You can choose to create a new library and then you can add songs to that library and then use that library as the basis of iTunes Match. I wrote about this on Monday. And since then, somebody posted a very interesting idea in the forum thread that accompanied that story, which is you can go through your library and cull it in a way by marking certain tracks as podcast tracks or as audiobooks. So if you have a lot of, say, comedy recordings, for example, you can use a smart 
playlist to look by genre for comedy, then mark all those as audiobooks and they become part of an audiobooks playlist. Then you select all those and go into the options tab and then choose to mark them as audiobooks. That then will not be identified as music and therefore you can take those out of the equation. Then you can take, uh, for example, I took my holiday music and I turned that into podcasts and I took everything that I've downloaded from South by Southwest and I probably have 8,000 tracks from that because they give them away free every year and mark those as podcasts. Once I did that, I had a library that was about 32,000 tracks and I was able to bring that down to 22,000 and then I could upload it. What I don't know yet, and I'm going to find out this afternoon once all this stuff is done, is if I then switch these things back to music tracks, whether iTunes match will say, ah, sorry, no, now you're over 25,000. And so you can't belong. Let's um, let's back up for a second. Uh, walk me through the setup process. What, what do I have to do? Uh, wh- how much time does it take? How, how does it, how does it work on that end? Well, setting it up isn't too bad. Um, in terms of this, you'll want to update to iTunes 10.51 on any Macs that you want to use iTunes Match with. Um, and then you'll need to just activate Match by going to the store menu and selecting Turn On Match. Um, a little Match icon will appear under the iTunes Store item on the, in the left-hand sidebar. And then you'll get the option to add that computer uh, to your library or subscribe to Match if it's your first time signing up for it. Um, and as I don't think we mentioned yet, this is this is actually a paid offering in addition to a lot of Apple's iCloud offering. So it'll cost you $25 for a year's worth of Match. Um, and so signing up for that, you'll just enter your iTunes uh, account as you do as if you were buying a song. And instead, you just uh, start the process there. It'll scan through your library and determine which tracks it needs to upload and which it can match. That, depending on how big your library is, that could take a while. Even with a smaller library, I have a you know a fraction of the number of songs Chris has, I think. But it still took me you know probably half an hour at least, and possibly more when the servers are were heavily loaded as they were on Monday. Um, but after that, um, it's more or less set up, although there are, I don't know about you guys, but there are a little, uh, a couple little uh, things where I had to go through and check and make sure things were working correctly. And it took a little bit of uh, updating afterwards to make sure that everything was working as it should be. How does that uh, $25 compare to some of the other uh, 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 cloud-based music services out there? Uh, Chris, you're, you're, you're pretty well-versed in, uh, in the particulars of that. Yeah, there's some that are free and then there are some that are expensive. So if you do the free one, and that would be through Google Music or Amazon, they allow you to upload um, a certain number of of free tracks. Google um, will do this in a way that you – I can't remember what the limit is for Google. I think it's a – yeah, I think it's a number of tracks again, and I think it's in that twenty to 30,000 track range. The difference here is that when you use iTunes Match – it doesn't upload everything, and that's what you have to do with Amazon or Google. You actually have to upload each track because of license agreements. What Apple has managed to do through the music companies is say, we're simply going to upload a database of the music you have. And so if we find stuff in your database that matches what we have in the iTunes store, we're just going to deliver it to you. You don't need to upload those tracks. Anything that isn't available through iTunes, you do have to upload. Now then, those are the... That's the free option. And then if you go with a subscription service, which gives you access to, you know, 10 to 12 million tracks, you have to pay uh, as if you want access over an iOS device, it's $10 a month 
on up. It can be more depending on how many devices you use. All right. And um, uh, let's talk a little bit. of there's the, there's the side benefit of being able to upgrade your older tracks that might have been uh, uh, recorded at a, uh, at a lower bit rate. Am yeah. I? Yeah, Serenity is nodding. You've more or less got it. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. Talk a little bit about that and 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 how that works. Definitely. So, as a side benefit of iTunes Match, obviously, all of this music goes to the the cloud, quote unquote, where it can be streamed if you're on a computer or downloaded uh, to another computer or re-downloaded it. So, in this case, if I say if I have a CD that I've ripped and I've ripped it. You know, in 2004, 2003, and it's a horrible quality, you know, Uh, and I match it with iTunes Match and it happens to be an iTunes song catalog, iTunes will now let me download its files. So if it has, you know, nice 256 uh, KBS, you know, beautiful, pristine sound quality, I can now delete those, you know, poorly record or poorly ripped CD versions and download iTunes versions onto my Mac. Uh, and it'll let you do that for any song it matches, even if those songs have potentially been acquired questionably. Uh, so some people have been calling it, you know, pirate amnesty. Uh, obviously, with the 25,000 song limit, you can only do it for so many songs. And obviously, stealing is bad. Uh, but it still provides it provides a nice way to do it if you're doing uh, ripped CDs. And then also what's really nice is that if you, like me, happen to have started your music collection while, say, under a family member's Apple ID and you have now transitioned to your own Apple ID, maybe you have a couple of different Apple IDs that you're authorized, you know, you're authorized to play the music on, but you don't necessarily have them all combined under one Apple ID, which makes listening to it rather difficult. Well, with iTunes Match, what you can do is you can actually match those tracks that you're authorized to play. So I have a couple of DRM encumbered albums uh, that I originally bought on my father's account when I was, you know, 14 or 15 that now I can match with iTunes Match, upload them or or match them. And then when I re-download them, they will be re-encoded onto my own Apple ID. So in the future, with Assuming that I continue using iTunes Match, I can stream and download those, or I can just download these one time, and then if my subscription expires, I will still get to keep those tracks. Now, the the caveat there, of course, is that you have to remain authorized on that account, correct? Yeah, well, you have to rem- you have to be authorized on that account for those tracks to initially match. Uh, if you remove yourself from authorization and you still have those those uh, tracks, you will no longer be able to match them and you will no longer be able to play them either if they're DRM encumbered. Uh, If they're tracks that were bought after Apple uh, lifted the DRM restriction, then those can be matched no matter what. You don't have to be an authorized user on those for those tracks. And I think it's important important to point out that if you have been thinking about upgrading your library to iTunes Plus, which uh, is a format that takes away the DRM and, and encodes things at 256 kilobits per second. This is a pretty good deal because a lot of people purchased a lot of stuff that was DRM protected. iTunes offered the ability to upgrade, but it was, you know, it, it's 30 cents a song. So if you were looking at iTunes Plus and say, wow, it's going to cost me $150 to upgrade everything to iTunes Plus, for this $25 subscription for one year, you can do that 
and then you'll have those same files that you would have had had you gone through iTunes Plus. Yeah, and it's important to note that even when you, let's say my subscription lapses after a year, all of those songs that I've upgraded from DRM encumbered versions, those stay at 256 kilobits nice and free. They don't mysteriously vanish once my year's subscription is up. The only thing that that does is it means I can't match any new songs and I can't continue to stream or download content to other devices. All right. Um, taking the 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 um the the bigger view here, who um who's the ideal user of iTunes Match? Is there is there any particular use case that uh, that that someone would 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 look at and say, oh, this is a great service for me, it, 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 or another person who might say, well, this doesn't sound like it it appeals to me at all. Who who uh, stands to benefit the most here? I think if you have a lot of Apple devices, if you have, say, as many of us do, granted we're kind of on the edge case, but if you have an iPhone and a couple Macs, um, it can be really handy, for example, because you can take the, you may not be able to fit your entire iTunes library on, say, your iPhone because it's got a limited amount of space and you're using it for a lot of other stuff too. However, this sort of gives you the option of saying, well, I can I can have some songs stored locally on the phone, but I also have access via the network to all these additional songs that I can listen to whenever I want to. Um, and so that's really nice. It's also nice if you're someone with a couple Macs who might say, well, I have, say, a laptop that travels around with me, which is also somewhat space limited, but I have an iMac or a Mac Mini at home, and that's sort of my central library. And previously, in order to sort of you know, deal with multiple copies of iTunes on multiple computers. You might have to set up multiple libraries or you might have to have one, your Macs, books, iTunes library pointing to the Mac mini. This sort of simplifies things and says, look, you have all your music and it's, it's on any of the computers and you can access them anytime you want. And so I think since a lot of people tend to have multiple Apple devices these days, uh, there's a lot of use in saying, well, you don't have to worry so much about well, that track was only on this computer, and it, that computer is not synced with this iPhone. So it's it's really, I think, looking to simplify this multitude of devices that we all have. It's also very useful uh, for families and people, again, who have multiple have accumulated multiple Apple IDs worth of stuff and want a way to just consolidate it into one central Apple ID and have an opportunity to use that among the family uh, that I find that very useful. And it's not helpful for those many apoplectic listeners who do not live in the U.S., because it's not available outside yes. the U.S. Oh, that's a very important di- distinction, Chris. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, well, I'm sure that it, it would show up in our comments if not. So we're yes. very, very, very sorry, Canadians and everybody else in the world, that you don't have access to it. We do, but Apple's here, and so we win. Or if you have the, one of those enormous, <laughs> enormous uh, iTunes libraries, and as we all know in Canada, it's like, what's the exchange rate? It's like... 1.8 songs per song or something. Right. So if you're Canadian and you have a huge library, you're really out of luck. We win. Well, that's that's really going to improve our, our international relations. Thank, <laughs> you for, thank you for putting it that way, Chris. As, as, a, as an olive branch to, um, to any foreign governments who may now be uh, 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 threatening to, to invade the Macworld offices, has Apple given any sort of indication about when it might roll this out to other countries, if at all? Well, they did mention at the Worldwide Developers Conference when they previewed uh, iTunes in the Cloud and iTunes Match that they were hoping to roll it out internationally by the end of this year. However, 
since they slipped initially on the U.S. launch date, it's possible that distribution deals with record companies overseas will also slip. And so, unfortunately, we don't have a concrete date. We have kind of a vague, maybe the end of this year, maybe next year. We'll see how cooperative the record companies are. Are you, are you suggesting that record companies might slow things down? Hmm. Be uncooperative in some way? That, that, that seems. That I seems. know. It's a far-fetched idea. The cynicism in this podcast is becoming appalling, so let's move on. No, but I, I do think it's it's worth noting because a, a lot of times people direct their anger at Apple over these media issues, and it really is not about Apple because they would love to roll this out to everybody because it's money for them. So it makes sense that they would roll it out as much as they can. However, there are different license agreements in different countries, and so – Apple has to negotiate with the record labels, hopefully in kind of a one-size-fits-all deal. But there are record labels that will say, well, no, we have a different way of doing things in Europe than we do in Asia. That's different than we do things in Australia. So it does take time. But again, if you're going to be angry about it, direct your anger at, at both Phil for hosting this podcast and at, uh, at the record companies. Absolutely. I think that's the best advice um, you can give anyone is to be angry at me. Um, so with the caveat that it's this, – this, as we record this, the service has only been live for I think 24 hours. Uh, how are you enjoying iTunes Match? Let's, let's whip around the virtual table and start with Dan Morin. You know, it took me I, – while I was preparing my, my hands-on on Monday, it took me a long time to get things actually set up um, because I was having some, some iTunes issues. But once I managed to get things more or less configured, which took me about until uh, – Tuesday morning, um, it, things working pretty well. I, I was able to stream songs between my computers and my iOS, iOS devices. As someone who's perpetually uh, space-strapped on my iPhone, where I'm constantly running up towards my 16-gig limit there, it's really nice to have the ability to just delete songs from the iPhone and still see them show up in the cloud so that, yeah, I don't have those songs stored directly on the phone, but I can still listen to them. Um, and the ability to I, I was saying on Twitter earlier, I think one of my favorite features is I have a few uh, CDs that I have ripped, which have been, shall we say, lovingly worn over time, which yields some unfortunate audio artifacts when I rip them into digital form. And so on those that I've actually managed to match, I end up with. Uh, pristine copies if I re-download the, the songs thanks to the fact that we're getting these 256 kilobit tracks. And so that's it's really great for me to like listen to some songs which I had which were always like you sort of got used to having these little pops or scratches in there and it's like eh, all right I'll live with it. But now having a nice clean version is really it's really something nice. Chris? I was on the beta and so I used it some there. It was it was a little hinky because, again, I have this massive iTunes library, so there were times that I couldn't use it and I would end up making subsets of things. Generally worked well. One of the things I like about it is the ability to upload tracks that iTunes doesn't have because I have a, a reasonably extensive LP collection with albums and tracks that iTunes just doesn't have and probably never will. And so I've been able to digitize those tracks and I can then upload them and they're now available to me on all my devices. So I appreciate the ability to have that stuff with me instead of having to leave it on my computer. And now that sing along with Mitch Miller album of yours will we'll always be with you. Uh, Ren. I have to say I have been in a precarious situation because last year I switched over to a MacBook Air as my primary computer and I have a MacBook Pro at home 
who has been sitting around with half of my music library. And then I've started downloading new songs on the MacBook Air. And yesterday was the first point at which all of my songs were both on my MacBook Pro and my MacBook Air. And I could delete something like 20, 30 gigabytes of songs that were in my iTunes library on my MacBook Air, killing it for space. So the the ability to free up space on those smaller devices and yet still be able to stream music is a is a very 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 nice thing. Is there any sort of performance um difference with the the songs that are stored in the cloud versus the ones that you have right there on your device? Well, definitely depending on the speed of your network, you're going to get a slight delay when trying to stream things. We should probably note that on iTunes in the computer, like if you're if you're using iTunes Match on your computer, you can in fact stream a song without downloading it. However, if you're using it on an iOS device, you will actually have to download the track, and it'll start playing as it downloads. But that that will add to your space. Whereas on a computer, you can just stream it. The streaming uh, it takes a couple seconds to start up, but once it starts playing, iTunes basically makes a buffer. So. I, unless your network connection really goes down the toilet in the middle of a song, you really shouldn't notice anything. Maybe a maybe an extra pause or two in between songs when you're switching. Okay. Are, are there any other quirks or uh, uh, issues that uh, uh, listeners might run into when they set up or use iTunes Match that we should let them know about that you guys have encountered? I um I've, I'm still trying to get to the bottom of this, but I have several cases in which they I'll. Uh, I'll have an album, and it will match some of the tracks on the album, but not all of them. And I've yet to be able to figure out exactly what's causing that, whether it's an issue matching because of some sort of audio problem in the track song or whether it's because, you know, the track title is spelled wrong or something like that. But I'm sort of playing around with that and trying to figure out because you then it's very strange to have that within an album. For example, I have, you know, a ripped copy of the Beatles Abbey Road, and I think it matched every track except for one. (laughs) And I have no idea why. Perhaps iTunes matches making an editorial comment about their (laughs) musical selection. It was the Ringo track. And they said, no, that's out. No, (laughs) You, you don't want that. It would it would have to join the club along with everybody else who likes to make editorial comments about my musical choices. Mm-hmm. Chris, have you run into anything or has it been pretty smooth? It's been pretty smooth. Um, we have a head scratcher that we've actually been throwing back and forth in email in that I have uploaded some uncompressed tracks in AIFF and WAV format. And according to Apple support, those tracks are supposed to be converted to AAC 256 and then uploaded. But it's not working that way for me. When I've uploaded these tracks and then I download them again, they're still in WAVE or AIFF format. Yet I asked Dan Morin about it and he tried it and it works the way Apple says it's supposed to. So I can't figure out what's going on. I'm, I'm happy to get it in the uncompressed format that it wasn't converted, but I'm not sure why my tracks aren't being converted and his are. Perhaps it's uh, early early days hiccups would be. Yeah, there there are a few. I ran into also one where uh, although most of my main music library o- uploaded fine, I had several this morning that were sh- several tracks that were showing up as removed, um, which generally means you've removed them from part of your one of your devices or something, but not from the cloud. So I had to re-add all of those, and it kept jumping around a little bit. I would add like fifty, sixty tracks. And then another separate, like, 50 or 60 would appear to be removed. So I finally got that ironed out. But I still have, a, I think, two tracks in my entire library that are just listed as error. And they give a very helpful error message 
when you click on this little exclamation point in the cloud, which tells you it could not be uploaded because there was an error. Again, again, I think that uh, that the, the gremlins at running the service at Apple just really hate your music. <laughs> so, well, I think it yeah. is important that you that you correctly tag your music, and if when you see errors, check your tags and see if it's something is misspelled. Because I have had things show up as belonging to a different album than the one that they came from. Everything else is there except this one track, and it seems to be on its own album. When I check the ID3 tags, I see, ah, I, there's something misspelled here, or there's some entry, like a genre entry, is different than the ones on the, on the rest of the album. When I correct that and try again, then it goes into the right place. I've been finding a couple, a couple of weird things. Uh, iTunes Match doesn't seem to want to upload tracks that are less than five seconds long. So if you have a, a couple of those little sort of intermediary tracks, uh, transition tracks, you may find that those result in errors. And the most intriguing one, which I, uh, which I posted on Twitter yesterday, is that I have a couple of ACDC albums, which ACDC, if you don't know, has been vehemently against online music sharing and basically has released their license rights to nobody. And yet when I enabled iTunes Matched, all of my ACDC tracks showed up as matched you cannot buy ACDC in the iTunes store. So I thought, well, maybe they're accidentally matched with a cover band. I go and re-download them and no, these are high-quality iTunes files. Uh, so apparently Apple may have deals with record labels and or artists that aren't publicly available on the iTunes store but may be available for iTunes Match. Yeah, there are, this is also the case with – I have some albums that I was not able to find in iTunes catalog but which did match some tracks. So – yeah. <laughs> Take that ACDC. That'll 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 learn you to to be opposed to online music. They were they were just thunderstruck. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Um so, as we alluded to earlier in the podcast, um there was a little bit of slippage as to when iTunes Match uh launched. It was supposed to launch by the end of October. We're now halfway through the month of November. Uh, a small blip in the in the greater scheme of things. So, I guess uh my final question to the to the assembled panel is has it been worth the wait? Well, I like Chris, I used it during the beta, and I would agree that it was a little bit uh, iffy. There were some things that clearly they had not polished. So I think if they were just taking the time to make sure everything worked pretty well and they sort of sand off the rough edges, I'd say they did a pretty good job. It seems to have delivered more or less what we expected and what was, you know, <laughs> what we were sold. Um, and so I think, you know, in the grand scheme of things, as you're saying, a couple weeks, not very much of a difference, and at least we can stop now all waiting on tender hooks about when iTunes Match will be enabled. Worth the money? Yeah, I mean, I'm I, looking forward to seeing how it plays out over the next year or so, but I think the, you know, the fact that it's a $25 per year, that this is a, essentially a subscription service, I think is very interesting in the sense that now if you go and buy, say, MP3s from Amazon um, and import them into your iTunes library, you essentially get copies that like anything else in your iTunes library you can listen to anywhere so you sort of have a permanent rolling uh sub online service where you can access all of your music I think that just about takes care of all the questions that I have unless anyone has something to throw out there that we haven't talked about he said pausing for dramatic effect no one is interrupting me so it just stands to me to thank Dan Morin thanks Phil thank you Chris Breen thanks 
Thank you, Serenity Caldwell. A pleasure. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to the Macworld Podcast. We'll be back next week with a better host. Thank you. Bye-bye.